Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And with me, as always, is the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. How are we doing today? I'm having a blessed day, brother. How about you? Hey, man, I am having a wonderful day, and I'm excited to talk about this specific topic because we actually have gotten a number of emails or messages and so forth concerning this on our Facebook page as well as on our email at contact at goodfight.org. You guys can always write in your questions when you have them. And I know we're actually going to be doing a live show soon enough, answering some questions, especially if you're some of our Patreon subscribers, if you're on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash goodfight, as well as doing some right there live on YouTube as well. And so you guys can get involved either way. We'll be doing a live show soon. So if you got questions, think of them right now. Maybe as you're listening to this show, we're going to talk about some important topics and it's great to have your questions. It's great to have your questions so we can ask them here on the Good Fight Radio Show, and it's great to have them so we can do live shows and ask them as well to Pastor Joe. So we are excited to dig into this topic. And in fact, this one is kind of, I would say, related to the episode that we just recently did regarding whether who the, who the naked disciple is. And it has to do a lot with keeping your garments on, uh, keeping on your, your linen cloth, so to speak, and not going out into open shame. But the question that we're going to be asking today comes from Scripture, as always. And once again, we want to tell you, if you got your Bibles handy, make sure you're grabbing them so we can turn some pages together with you. And we're going to start in Jude, specifically verse number 21. Oh, I'm sorry, 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, that last part is what we're going to be talking about, because that's a good question. What is praying in the Holy Spirit? A lot of people have a lot of different answers. Some will tell you that's actually the gift of tongues. So I guess, Joe, I can ask you not only what is praying in the Holy Spirit, how do we do it? Is it the gift of tongues? And if you don't have the gift of tongues, can you even pray in the Holy Spirit? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and like the last question, of what's going on with this disciple here? Who's this naked disciple and what's this about? Uh, I love these kind of questions I mentioned that are also very instructive, devotional, that could strengthen our walks with the Lord, right? And that's what all learning ought to be in the Lord is, is how to be more like Jesus, how to understand who the Lord is more, to relate to him in a better way. And so it's a great question. It relates to the last one because uh, the last question, this naked disciple, we found out that he's unnamed for reason because he represents the just utter failure of the disciples themselves uh, because they all boasted that they would stand, that they wouldn't deny him, they contradicted Jesus and so forth, and they all fell away. And Jesus said, stay awake. Well, they f- fell asleep. Uh, they're disciples, but he's fleeing. He's not following. We talked about that. And Jesus told, told them about being dressed in readiness, right? And he wasn't dressed. You know, he ended up being naked. And it's just this scandal. But then we also talked about the beauty of how Jesus, and I'm not going to get into the whole thing, because if you missed that episode, really encourage you to check it out, because it's an interesting play on words with regard to both uh, the linen cloth and reg- regarding the young man and the Greek words that are just used a couple times. 
I should say, or, or just in a couple incidences that really show you the grace of the Lord in retrieving these guys from their fallen states. However, there's not a second chance when Jesus comes back at a second coming. These guys uh, would have a measure of the Spirit like they hadn't had before. Uh, the, the, he breathes on them after the resurrection. It says, receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was with them. He told them he will be in you. And he gives, he gives us greater strength now. And the day of Pentecost was this outpouring of power. And if we fall away in the very end, uh, that for instance, the virgins who basically fall asleep wake up, but the five that don't have any oil left, which represents the Holy Spirit, don't have light, which represents the Word, the door is shut, it's too late. There's not a second chance. So it's imperative that we understand one reason this disciple failed and the disciples in general failed is because they didn't pray. Now some will say, well, no, Jesus said before they even failed to pray that they're all going to deny him. Well, that's why they're going to deny him because the Father knew he's dealing with clay that's weak and he knew that they weren't going to pray and that they weren't going to be ready and they were going to deny him. And they did uh, in various ways, Peter verbally three times, but they all fled and so forth. So uh, the key here is Praying in the Spirit is the key to make sure we are awake in the end. That That's one of the keys. I mean, it's one of the major keys. Is I really want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, Chad and I do in our whole ministry, to be people of prayer. Be people of the Word, where you're meditating on the Word day and night. And praise the Lord, if you're listening to us, you know, you must love the Word of God, because that's what we're all about. And uh, we love to emphasize praying. We don't do episodes without seeking the Lord first. Uh, you know, we emphasize praying at all, all the time. It's, so, it's such an important part of your walk with the Lord. And... Praying in the Spirit is uh, this this phrase is this little phrase here we have in the Book of Jude. When you look at its context, it's so powerful. But Chad, you brought up how it's used by a lot of those who are a lot of our Pentecostal and Charismatic brothers and sisters look at this verse as as though hey yeah it's speaking about tongues and many Pentecostals believe it's speaking exclusively about tongues. Meaning in other words, to fulfill that verse, you need to speak in tongues. And uh, and let's look at that. And but then let's look at okay, is that what it's saying? Uh, and, I, and I'll say from the get-go, I don't, I'm not going to say he doesn't have tongues in view. The Apostle Paul talked about tongues, but when you look at the church in the first century, especially with the outpouring of the Spirit, we're not cessationists. We believe that the, the gifts of the Spirit are here today. Uh, but in the first century, there was also a judgment upon the wicked, according to Isaiah chapter 28, through the speaking of tongues and stammering lips of the Gentile believers and those in for, with foreign lips as a judgment. So, But uh, John MacArthur and others who are cessationists say, yeah, but that's the basic the point of it. Now it's gone. No, the Bible also does talk about if there's no interpreter in 1 Corinthians 14, if, if there's no interpreter and the people hear you, they're going to think that you're mad. Okay, that's one thing. But if there's no interpreter, he says, have a seat in the church and keep it between you and God. In other words, another, another person should be hearing you speak in it because he that speaks in tongue builds up himself. So you're not able to edify the rest of the people because there's no interpreter where it comes forth as uh, as like almost like a prophetic utterance, or just I believe it's a praise language more than a prayer language. You see them speaking in tongues in Acts two, and I don't believe uh, there's Acts two is a different kind of tongues than First Corinthians fourteen. First Corinthians fourteen says that he that speaks in tongue doesn't speak to God, but or doesn't speak to men, but speaks to God, and that's exactly what you see in the book of Acts. They're praising God for His wonderful works. So if you were to hear an interpretation of tongue tongues, typically I'm not saying God can't do something different, but normatively what we see in the scripture, is you'd be hearing praise to God that would glorify him in some way, that would probably bless you in, in some way about his character, which can be instructive too about who he is, his power, his might. Uh, but in 1 Corinthians 14, he does say, he does call praying in tongues, praying in spirit. And that's why this link takes place with Pentecostals. So our Pentecostal brothers and sisters and charismatics that believe he's speaking of, speaking in tongues here as a, uh, you know, it, it's speaking of tongues, I'm not going to deny that that's part of it, but I'm going to disagree that it's exclusively what he's talking about. 
And that's what we're going to deny. But we're going to affirm, yes, he could have that in view. In fact, Chad, if you could read 1 Corinthians 14, 15. Yeah. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. Okay, so there we see him praying and singing with the Spirit. And any exegete will acknowledge that he's speaking of the gift of tongues there. Yeah, right? because 13 and 14, yeah, it gives that context. That's, yeah. that's definitely the context. However, uh, so I don't have a problem with saying he could have that as part of what he has in view. But to jump to the conclusion that's not warranted in the book of Jude to say he could only be speaking out of the book of tongues doesn't make sense because, and this is important, because he's writing to the common believer about our common salvation. Mm. Remember, he talks about earnestly contending for the faith once for all delivered unto the saints. And he says, uh, he sat down basically, or he basically was going to write uh, about our common salvation, but then he wanted to encourage them to take a stand against those who have crept in unaware and are coming against the faith. So he doesn't really write about our common salvation as far as this is what Jesus did, this is the gospel, but he does write to the common man about defending that common salvation mm-hmm. or the common faith uh, as to what it means to defend it. He kind of hones in on this specific part of defending against these false teachers. So it would be kind of strange that he's talking to believers in general about contending for the faith, but then he just picks out those who have the gift of tongues uh, and say, you guys to, to do this though, you know? And he doesn't have any advice for the other believers. It would make no sense at all. In fact, it's interesting because in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 30, when you go back to the Corinthian passage on tongues, he makes it very clear. He says, or do all have the gift of healings? Do they, or all do not have the gift of healings? Do they? Or do all speak with tongues? He says, all do not speak with tongues. Do they? So that's a rhetorical question in the Greek. And uh, this translation brings it out. Do they? Meaning they don't. So not everybody speaks in tongues. Not everybody has the gift of tongues. I know our Pentecostal brethren, many of them want to say, well, there's the initial evidence of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is tongues, and there's a gift of tongues, which is a prayer language, or two different things. You cannot back that up scripturally to say there's that everybody that gets saved has this initial experience, but it's not the gift of tongues. Uh, and I think most scholars, by far and away, uh, and even many you know charismatic and some Pentecostal scholars, will agree that, hey, uh, there's not two different things going on there. Uh, so it's interesting. So it's hard to believe that Paul would just be segmenting uh, just a small part of the body of Christ that Jude, speaks yeah. in tongues, or I should say Jude would. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make any sense at all. Context is king. and uh, But but praying in spirit, what is it then? And I'm like I said, I'm not going to say it doesn't have to do with speaking in tongues because it definitely could include that. But it's definitely more than that. And every believer should be able to obey uh that instruction there. So I think that's that's very, very important to understand. So uh, he's coming against both, you know, heterodoxy and heteropraxy uh, in the book of Jude. Wrong doctrine. They're turning the grace of God into a license for morality. And then these guys are very immoral. You know, they're these false teachers are very immoral. And they ha- they are coming against the faith once for all delivered in the saints, turning into a grace, uh, turning into a license for morality. Therefore, they're supposed to stand against them. Well, if you look at the context, right before verse 20, he says that these false teachers are worldly-minded and they do not have the Spirit. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They're false teachers. They're the grace changers. You know, they turn grace into license. Uh, They don't submit to the Lordship of Christ. Uh, They don't have the Holy Spirit. So, And they're living wicked lives. In contrast, we're supposed to live holy lives. And he talks about building yourself up in your most holy Holy faith. faith. Holy faith. Because they're attacking the faith, and we're supposed to be building ourselves up in the holy faith. Uh, and one of the ways we do that is uh, 
through praying in the Spirit. So let's talk about what what's he referring to, because we need to be uh, we need to be obeying that. I mean, and I do believe it's an imperative. I believe it's a sub imperative to another main imperative there, because it's a participle in the Greek, and there's a few participles that we could call instrumental participles that bow down, or I should say, support this main uh, imperative, which is to keep ourselves the love of God, which we'll see in a little bit. Then there's these participles that are like instrumental participles, or that basically act as imperatives as well. But they support the idea of keeping ourselves in the faith, which we'll get to in a minute. But check out this. Look at these verses that talk about, that lend ourselves to understand. We compare scripture to scripture to what it means to pray in the Spirit. Romans 8, 9 says, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Verse 14, For all who are being led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Now listen to verses 15 and 16 of Romans 8. The Apostle Paul again, For you have not received the Spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Notice it's by the Holy Spirit that we're crying out, Abba, Father. Okay, Abba, Father, okay, he's not talking about tongues right here. He's talking about crying out, Abba. Okay, that's Hebrew, and everybody can say Abba, right? Abba, Father. So it's by the Holy Spirit. That's praying in the Spirit is not just tongues. It's also, according to Paul, being able to cry. The Holy Spirit inspiring us to Cry out as children of God, as many as received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Oh, what matter of love is this, that we should be called the children of God. So as children of God, the Holy Spirit puts an unction in us, a, 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 an inspiration to know our Father and cry out to him and, and praise him. One of the things I noticed about the cults, when I was a new Christian, I'd visit the Jehovah Witnesses Kingdom Hall, you know, visit the Mormons, you know, their stakes. And I'd check these things out. And I noticed when I was around believers, like us, you know, there's the love of God. There's a praise the Lord, you know. Amen. And I didn't hear praise the Lord among the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses. It was just kind of a stale religion, you know, without the Spirit. And one of the one of the fruits of the Spirit is a true earnestness. The Bible says nobody can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. That's, again, by the Holy Spirit, you're declaring Jesus Christ as Lord. He's talking about sincerely affirming Jesus is my Lord. You know, so we praise the Lord, we cry out, Abba, Father, we proclaim Jesus as Lord by the Spirit. Then in Romans 8, 26 and 27, which I know our Pentecostal brothers and sisters will say, and I'm a little bit, you know, I I love a lot of what's in Pentecostalism, but I don't buy the whole angelata uh, because I do, if I do appreciate the emphasis to continue in the faith, the infinite emphasis that Christ is coming, the emphasis on the inerrancy of Scripture, uh, the emphasis on the power of God. It's just when the emphasis on the power of God goes beyond the scriptural limits that there's trouble. We've got to be careful. But Romans 8, 26 and 27 is not talking about tongues. And I'm, I apologize, my, uh, but I don't apologize for the truth. But uh, listen to what it says. Uh, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. And many believe this is tongues. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. The mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So, by the way, we're seeing the Holy Spirit's prayer life is according to the will of God. So, we're praying in the Spirit. We're praying according to the will of God. According to the will of God. Amen. But notice that this can't be tongues because it says the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That would mean that whatever tongue you're speaking, the Holy Spirit's groanings are too deep for words, whatever they are. And... We need to be led of the Spirit and pray in the Spirit. That doesn't mean you're not praying in the Spirit when uh, you're speaking in a tongue. The Bible talks about tongues of men, the tongues of angels. It may be an angel's tongue. You may be led of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has his own personal prayer life with the Father that transcends our English or any human language. Uh, 
Droning's too deep for words, too deep for uh, words. So it's interesting. Galatians 4, 6, Paul writes this, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And I love that because you have that in Galatians 4, you have that in Romans chapter 8. He's emphasizing what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit in our prayer, and it means that we relate to God as our Father, our Father who art in heaven, Abba, Father. We're children, man, and we need to relate to our Father, not as some guy behind a desk with a you know, huge amount of papers and a, and, a, and a hammer waiting for you to get online, but as a Father who loves you, who cares about you, who wants you to know him. Jesus said, this is the eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent, John 17, 3. So in Ephesians 5, 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. You catch that? He says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. That means with all prayer, not just tongues. See, this destroys the view that it's just tongues. With that, that praying Spirit, it can just be tongues. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. So every Christian, do all have the gift of tongues? We already saw that's not true. So all Christians are, are called to pray in the Spirit. And with this view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So we cry out according to the will of God in the Spirit of God, seeking the Lord. And I just love that verse right there. Now, Chad, you know 1 Peter 1, 21? It says that holy men spake how? As they were moved how? As utterance by the Holy Spirit. So how yeah. do you think that would relate to praying in the Spirit? Well, there was obviously by the will of God yeah. and by the Word of God. And by the Word of God. You nailed it. That's that's it right there. You know? Yeah. The Holy Spirit sees according to the will of God. Utterance, yeah. The Word of God is our words that were spoken by the Spirit of God. That's why we have the inerrant Word of God. So Chad just nailed it. So that's why I love, I love to do this. It's one of the most uh, precious parts of my own devotional life, you know, is when I read scripture and I pray the scripture. I'll go through the scripture and I'll see different commands. I'll say, Lord, do that in my life more. You know, cry to the Lord, Lord, please strengthen me in this area. Or I'll meditate upon the scripture. I'll memorize scripture and I'll be hiking or I'll be uh, biking or I'll be, you know, going for a walk with the wife or what have you. Uh, it's a little harder to memorize scripture when you're walking with the wife, though, because you want to make sure you're you getting good, good entertainment with her and chatting and stuff a bit. <laughs> but uh, a lot of times we've memorized together as well. But it's great when you turn those scriptures around in your heart and you and the Lord convicts you, speaks to you. When you get on your knees and you crouch to the Lord, the Holy Spirit's there. I mean, there's so many times when you're seeking God and then you get up and then all of a sudden, this has happened numerous times in my Christian walk to where all of a sudden I'll be singing a song that I haven't sang for a year or two or three or five or ten. Just boom. And it's right after I get up in prayer sometimes. I'm talking about deeper prayer where I'm on my knees crying out to the Lord for a while and just won't allow myself to get up until I've prayed for a while. And then I get up and I start to do something. Sometimes somebody's name will come to my heart that I haven't thought about for a while. And I believe that's because when we pray in the Spirit, we're more in tune with the work of the Holy Spirit and what He wants to do in our lives. And part of praying in the Spirit talks about singing. He wants us to know God and praise Him and worship Him as, as our Father. So He'll put songs in our hearts, you know. And I found out early on in my Christian walk, I was like, wow. It's a pattern when I really seek the Lord. Songs come to my heart that I haven't thought about for a while. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's really interesting because both the texts that you brought out from Galatians, also Romans chapter 8, the Abba Father, and you think about the Spirit, and you think about the disciples asking Jesus, how should we pray? And you started out with making your Father holy, making his name holy. Our Father, hallowed, holy be your name, Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done. There is nothing more in the Spirit then going back to the Word of God, which, as you said, by utterance of the Spirit, not just by men, right? But they spoke uh, as, as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. 
but going back to the words of Jesus written down in the Word of God Amen. in order to align our prayers. It's one of the coolest things I had forgotten we had put up in our bathroom. Um, and, you know, if you have little kids, you know, sometimes they spend a lot of time in there. <laughs> but we put up in our bathroom, um, you know, uh, the Lord's Prayer that He gave to us. Obviously, He Perfect didn't prayer. pray it, right? And I hear... I hear Eli over and over again, my, my oldest son, he's eight, and that's what he keeps praying over and over again because he's just memorized it, you know, because he learned how to read, and now he's, like, excited about reading this. And I'm like, that's something I've prayed over them. It's part of our prayer life every night before bed. My prayer always consists of something along the lines of the prayer that the Lord has given us because I want to walk in His will. I want to be praying in the Spirit, and all of that is going to be aligned 100% of the time with the Word and will of God. Amen, absolutely. And it's funny, I think it was last week uh, I prayed with Eli, and uh, I asked him to say a prayer to pray. And I just thought he would, you know, say just any little nice, sweet prayer. And our Father, who art in heaven, how did I join him? I was like, praise the Lord, he's doing good. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> John four twenty three. Jesus said, but, and it's a great segue to this passage, the hour is coming, now is, when the true worshipers, mm -hmm. true worshipers, worship in the Father in spirit, and in truth. Well, when we worship him, we serve him. So how do we serve him? We worship him in spirit and truth. Well, one of the ways we worship is by praying. We worship in spirit. We pray in spirit and in truth. That means, of course, God's word. The word of God is not only, you know, the apostle take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, Jesus said, thy word is truth. So the, the, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. So when you're praying in accordance with God's word, you're crying out to him, you're praying spirit, the, the words of the spirit. Amen. But then you can become more dynamic in your prayer as you continue to pray according to his word and say, Lord, your will be done. Our Father who art in heaven, you're seeking him. But he can convict you, uh, uh, grieve you over maybe sin in your own life, mm. grieve, you over, grieve you over sin in somebody's a brother or sister's life or a relative who's supposed to be following Jesus where you hurt for them because he hurts for them. He, Holy Spirit grieves. So it's becoming, it's, it's so much being immersed in seeking the will of the Lord and seeking to glorify him that you begin to have the mind of Christ. The Bible talks about having the mind of Christ. And that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit to where you begin to see things through his eyes and your heart begins to break for the things that his heart breaks for. Uh, you get excited about what he gets excited about. The angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that comes to repentance. All of a sudden you're more excited about people getting saved. You want to street witness more. You want to show the gospel more. You want to get the word out more. So it's about being in sync with the Holy Spirit. I think there's some other really good to think, things to think of along these lines. The Bible says to be led by the Holy Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, uh, uh, to walk in the Spirit. Uh, the Bible talks about, we mentioned already, you know, over and over again, uh, the Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to this, Acts chapter 19, verse 21, it speaks of Paul. It says, Paul purposed to go to Jerusalem by the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit leads us, directs us. So if he leads Paul to Jerusalem, he could definitely lead us in our prayer life. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 uh, and no one's to say, and I mentioned this one earlier, but Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So we proclaim him as Lord by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled, or a good translation is be controlled by the Holy Spirit. So if I'm being controlled by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's wanting me to pray and seek the Father, I'm going to be praying more in line with his will. So you can't just have a very, very cavalier prayer life and just throw up a flare prayer once in a blue moon, mm -hmm. because the Holy Spirit... I mean, God himself has told us by his Holy Spirit to pray without ceasing. So we're supposed to continue to pray throughout the day, you know, throughout the night. When you're laying in bed, crowd to him, seek him, you know, pray. And then your prayer life will grow. 
Yeah, I think uh, one of the one of the things I've tried to institute in my is in my own walk it, are those those things in my life that I say, Lord, I want these things. You know, I I love Psalm one nineteen. I, I try to meditate on Psalm one nineteen at least once a week. You know, just because there's so much it brings you back to the Word of God. It brings you back to hiding God's Word in your heart so you don't sin against Him. It brings you back to how how a young man keep his uh, keep his way pure but by guiding it according to God's Word. Over and over again, that's what you have. But there's a certain text in Psalm 119 that I always pray, and I try to pray it. It's one of the first things I say in the morning, and it is, Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful, wonderful things, things from, from your, your yeah, word. Amen. And I think about that all it's the one time. one of my prayers, too. And I pray that all the time so that when I'm reading God's word, I'm saying, Lord, I want to know more. Amen. I want to know Absolutely. more. You know? Absolutely, bro. In fact, it's interesting, speaking of wonderful things in his word, verses 20 through 23 really parallel verses 1 through 3. And one through three, mm. Jews says, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, uh, the brother of James, to those who are called, beloved of God the Father, kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy and peace be uh, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all, hand down the saints. Now look at the verses 20 through 23. He's basically, and I, and I say this because that's the words of the Holy Spirit through Jude, and now he wants those things that God has done in our lives and values in our lives become part of our own prayer life, part of our own emphasis and that we own and that we practice. Now we'll listen to verse 22 through 23. 20 through 23, but you, beloved, that was from chapter one, the first few verses, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, talked about earnestly contending for the faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. He keeps us, but we're called to keep ourselves as well in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy. Remember, he said, mercy and peace be upon you multiplied. Waiting anxiously for the mercy. Now we're supposed to wait for that mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life and have mercy on some, the mercy that we've received. Now we're to show that mercy to others uh, who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire uh, and on, on, on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. So it's interesting that the Greek, and I mentioned this earlier, and this is so important because he says, building yourselves up your most holy faith and all these different things. Brothers and sisters, he says to, and this, this is the main imperative, keep yourselves in love of God. It's imperative that you keep yourself in the love of God as you wait the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That keep, how do you keep yourself in love of God? That's the imperative. That's the main imperative there. There's three instrumental participles there. By praying in the Spirit, by praying according to God's Word, keeping your prayer life active, by uh, not only that, but also looking for the grace or looking for the mercy of our Lord at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, that's one of them. And then building yourselves up in your faith. You know, you get into bodybuilding, that's great. To keep your body healthy, great. But you need to do spiritual bodybuilding, and that comes through praying in the Spirit. By the way, Jesus said, uh, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, John 15, 10. John 15, 6, if a man does not remain in, uh, abide, remain, stay in me, he'll be cast forth as a branch, thrown in the fire and burn. Jesus here is telling us that we need to keep ourselves, that's his words, he, uh, through Jude, the Holy Spirit's emphasis, keep yourselves in the love of God as you wait for the mercy that we reveal that his coming is basically what he's saying. So we're called to keep ourselves in the love of God. Guess what? You can get away from the love of God and cease to abide in the love of God in 2 John chapter, it's just basically one chapter, verses 9 through 11. Uh, he that does not remain in him is cast forth, or I should say, does not have God. Jesus said you're cast forth as a branch. You can leave your first love. Jesus warned the church at Ephesus. He said, all these wonderful things, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. You you tested those who say they're apostles or not. You found them liars. But he says, but I have this against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. He says, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first work, or else I will come to thee quickly and remove that candlestick out of its place, which is in his presence. And he says, unless you repent. 
And he says, he that overcomes, he will partake of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So it's imperative that we keep ourselves in, our, in love with him, we stay with him, so we can abide in him through faith in Christ. And these other aspects of what he's telling us to do are the fruit of that faith. Keep the faith and abide in Christ and continue to pray in the Spirit, whether you have tongues or not. Amen. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.